0: It is a crisp morning at the end of October. A light mist hangs over the still waters of Loch Ne. The shoreline is awash with rustic autumnal colours. The surface of a slate grey lake is lit by the earthed lightning of a flock of swans, Shima Sini. The first hooper swans have arrived, Fresh from their non stop migration journey from Iceland. They've flown here together in family groups to spend their winter months in a relatively mild climate. Elegant and slender, they have a yellow bill tipped with black, making them stand out from the resident mute swan that we see all year round. Hoopers are herbivorous and they spend a considerable amount of time feeding in arable fields and wet grasslands of the Loch Nair shoreline before heading to the open waters of the loch to roost for the night. Northern Ireland is extremely important for this species with 20% of the UK population overwintering here. As the night draws in and darkness envelopes the Loch Nair landscape the soft seep, seep calls of migrating redwing are heard overhead similar in appearance to the song thrush they have a brown back and speckled chest but they also have distinctive red patches on their flanks and a bold white stripe above the eye flocks of redwing make the journey from iceland and northeast europe to the loch basin under a cloak of darkness rough weather can make their journey across the sea a perilous one some birds have been known to crash into the waves and drown. For those that safely reach our shores, they will recover from their arduous journey by feasting on fruits and berries in the hedgerows. In woodland not far from the shoreline, jays are hurriedly preparing for winter. They're busy collecting and burying acorns, a vital food store that will ensure they survive the lean winter months. One jay can cache as many as 2,000 acorns. They are shy birds and extremely difficult to spot, but despite this, they are the most colourful member of the crow family. They have dusky, pink-brown plumage, a dark, moustache-like stripe extending from the base of the bill to the neck, and black and white wings with a dazzling blue wing bar. A buck-fallow deer's roar reverberates through Randallstown Forest on the northern shore of the loch, his breath visible in the crisp morning air. It's the rutting season, and he's hoping to impress the local does and to warn off any rival males. If another buck challenges him, they walk alongside each other, sizing each other up. Sometimes this is enough to ward off a younger, less experienced challenger. But if males of a similar stature come across each other, it can result in the pair locking antlers and engaging in a dangerous battle for dominance and the right to mate with the females. These fights can result in serious injuries, with some individuals losing an eye or suffering puncture wounds to their flanks. The fallow does will give birth to their fawns sometime in June. Potchards are a resident diving duck species and can be seen all year round on the loch. Their population grows during the winter months, as thousands of potchards migrate from northeastern Europe along with other wildfowl species. As with most duck species, males and females look very different. Male potchards sport a stunning chestnut-red head, black breast and tail with silver flanks and back, while females have brown plumage with a pale face and sides. They are omnivorous, diving to feed on invertebrate and plant material. One of their favourite prey items is the larva of the Loch fly, the bloodworm, which lives in the mud on the floor of the loch. The potchard is a red list species, which means its population has drastically declined. Potchard numbers on Loch decline from 40,000 birds to less than 8,000 between the early 1990s and 2004. Other than potchard, other wildfowl species that spend the winter on Loch Ness waters are tufted duck, widgeon, gadwall, goldeneye, scop, and teal. Wildfowling takes place on Loch Ness. From the first of September to the thirty first of January. Shooters head out before dawn and hide themselves in a structure called a sconce to target their quarry. The echoing of their gunshots is a familiar sound early on winter mornings. As the sun fades on another day, scores of rooks and jackdaws are heading to roost on Coney Island, a small, heavily wooded island in the southwest of the loch. They have spent the day foraging for invertebrates, but now, as dusk approaches, they are gathering together to roost for the night. It is a damp night, quite mild for November, and a flock of lapwing are foraging for earthworms in farmland not far from the loch. These medium-sized waders are also known as green plovers or peewits, so nicknamed after their distinctive high-pitched calls. From a distance, the lapwing looks like a black-backed bird with white underparts. But at a closer range, they are arguably one of our most beautiful avian species. The back and wings are not black, but iridescent, with shimmering greens and purples. Crisp white underparts, and the head is topped with a long, delicate crest. Lapwings are seen in great numbers during the winter months when migrants from Northern and Eastern Europe arrive to avail of the milder climate. However, as a breeding species, they are struggling here and have suffered huge declines in number, largely due to the change of farming practices. As ground nesters, they are also particularly vulnerable to predation. Parents with young will often pretend to have a broken wing by dragging it along the ground and lure potential predators towards them, and away from the nest. In Irish, this has been described as clas and Philippine, the Lapwings' trick, from which we get the saying Ise an sholú and Philippine, on an yad aga e. He has the Lapwings' guidance from the nest, meaning he is evading the issue. It is a cold, crisp December morning. A lone grey heron stands statue still by the water's edge on the breakwater at Ballyronan Marina. This patient, stealthy hunter has been poised here for what seems like hours, waiting to spear an unsuspecting fish with its dagger-like beak. Grey herons are opportunists and feed on a range of species. Fish, eels, frogs small mammals and even reptiles. No luck here this morning. A small blue boat leaving the marina has spoiled the tranquil morning and left splashing wavelets in its wake. Our disgruntled hunter leaves to seek out a quieter stretch of shoreline. In a sheltered bay on the southern shore of Loch Nair, a group of Wigeon are feeding in the shallow waters. A beautiful dabbling duck that has migrated from as far away as Iceland, Scandinavia and even Russia to overwinter on the loch. They're herbivorous, only consuming plant matter. This group are upending; They're dunking their heads underwater in search of plants with their tails and backsides comically pointed skywards. Like the Hooper swans, They'll also forage and graze in wet grasslands near the water's edge. When we think of duck sounds, we automatically think of quacking, but widgeons whistle. Males have a beautiful red head with a yellow forehead, a pink breast and gray back and sides. And as with most ducks, the females are a much drabber brown color. However, when seen in flight, both sexes have a pale white belly. Hedgerows and woodland edges are full of activity, as long-tailed tits move through in large family groups, on the hunt for invertebrates and seeds. Long-tailed tits have a white head, with black eye stripes, a dark back, dark wings, with a pink patch and a pale belly tinged with pink. They have an extraordinary long tail, measuring about seven centimeters long. These small birds weigh a mere nine grams, less than a one-pound coin. The winter months are extremely tough for these tiny birds, and mortality rates are often high in particularly cold spells. To reduce heat loss, family groups of up to 20 individuals will huddle together in a ball at night. The short days and long nights roll on into January and the temperatures continue to drop. The toughest time of the year for the smallest species of bird in Ireland, the goldcrest. This minute bird weighs just under 6 grams, around the same weight as a 5p coin. Like the long-tailed tits, goldcrests will huddle together for warmth during the long, cold winter nights. And must continuously forage for invertebrate prey, like spiders and springtails, during the daylight hours to replenish fat reserves lost through the night. Up to 80% of our goldcrests can perish in extremely cold winters. But it's not all bad news. Milder winters give goldcrest numbers some respite, and their breeding strategy ensures the survival of the species. In the spring and summer, the tiny female goldcrest can lay between six to eight eggs, but some records of 12 eggs have been recorded. When the eggs have hatched, the female will lay a second clutch in a different nest, leaving the male to feed the first brood. Producing a lot of young helps the goldcrest population recover the losses of the harshest winters. Winter is the easiest time to catch a glimpse of this tiny, olive-green bird with its yellow-orange crown. January is the peak time for wildfowl numbers. It is a rough day. The waters of the loch are quite choppy. A large raft of golden eye... Have moved into more sheltered waters just off Trad Point in the northwest corner of the lock. They are a beautiful duck. Males have an iridescent green head with a high forehead. A large white oval shaped patch at the base of the bill makes identification easy from a distance. The back and rump are black, contrasted with bright white undersides. But most tr- striking of all, is the conspicuous bright yellow eye for which this duck is named? Females look quite different with a chestnut head and pale yellow eye with a dark grey back and rump. These goldeneye breed in Scandinavia or Russia and migrate to spend the winter months on Loch before heading back to their breeding grounds in the spring. The first record of goldeneye breeding in Ireland was in the year 2000 when a pair bred on Loch They are a diving duck, skillfully diving and swimming underwater, overturning stones in the search of freshwater invertebrates and small fish. As the sun sets in the southern shore of the loch, at Washing Bay, hundreds of starlings congregate, swooping and diving as one, creating an amazing display in the dusk skyline. Then suddenly... As one, they fly into the reed bed where they will roost for the night. The birds gather in such numbers for safety against predators and for warmth in the chilly winter nights. It is a clear night, frost is on the ground. The moonlight falls on a stand of birch trees, making them look oddly skeletal. The chilling scream of a red fox vixen lingers in the air. Foxes live a mostly solitary life outside of the breeding season. The vixen is announcing her presence to any dog foxes that might be nearby and that she is ready to breed. If she successfully finds a mate, she will give birth to cubs in March wow. or April. It is a misty February morning. A small rocky island on the western shore of Loch Nair is barely visible from the shoreline. On either end of the island sits a shooting sconce. Both are empty and the morning air is peaceful. The shooting season is over for another year the only activity is on the water. A large mixed raft of tufted duck and scalp are on the water. Some are preening while others are resting some of their heads under their wings. Both species are diving ducks and look incredibly similar. Male tufted ducks have a blue bill a black head and back with white sides and a comical tuft of feathers on the back of the head. Male scalp lack the feathery head tuft and have a delicate grey back rather than black. In a month or two, many of these birds will leave Loch Ness Shores to return to their breeding grounds in Scandinavia and Russia but some remain here to breed too. On Coney Island, in the south of the loch, Grey herons have returned to their communal nest site, the heronry. Although they are solitary hunters, they tend to nest in close proximity to each other. Large stick nests are made in the tallest trees and tend to be used year after year. They're one of the earliest nesters and some have already laid eggs. Spring is on the way, and with it comes longer days and warmer temperatures. Our winter migrants will leave our shores soon, but a whole host of species will be arriving to make the most of the special habitats of Loch Ness.